0: Man, I am in a series titled Heavenly, and it's a series I don't exactly know where it's going to go, but it's going somewhere, that I can tell you. And uh, last week was an incredible time of talking about the Heavenly Father. I was very touched. I'm still being touched by it. It's something that doesn't go away. It's a, it's a reality for eternity. It's not a one-time thing. It's an all-the-time thing. Now, it may look different. I, I wouldn't function very well if all I ever did was fall on my face and cry. There's a lot to do, so we, we get those things done, but it's not that, you know, God's not a rubber band. He's not here today and gone tomorrow. He made a promise that He'd never leave you. And we are the ones that move out of that position. We're the ones that move away. We're more like the rubber band hot, cold, in, out, on fire, not on fire. And what we have to do is we have to stay consistent no matter what. The Lord looks for consistency. Remember that our character is built in the valley, not on the mountaintop. But if you didn't have mountaintop experiences in your life, you would die. You have to have touches and encounters from God. And last week, I couldn't even finish the service in the second service, and I started weeping, and we all started weeping. The presence of God came in the room. So many people were delivered they were healed. I fell on my face and I couldn't even end the service. And I just wept and cried as God began to revisit some of the root systems of my own life. And he took me back to encounters that I had in the early days with the heavenly father that changed my life forever. And it's a reality that we, don't, we never get away from, ever. He's a father. He loves, he cares. He's always there. He made a promise to never leave us or forsake us. He's the ancient of days and his throne endures for eternity. And so it's a reality that God wants to bring to us that shifts our reality. And we are so consumed with our position and our identity and God says, focus on my position and my identity and that's what changes you. We have our eyes still even as Christians so much on ourselves. And the, the truth is, is that if we don't keep our eyes on him consistently, we're never going to become like him. We're, we can never do, we can't do one thing without him. He's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But we try to do so much without him. And so the Heavenly Father teaching from last week is a teaching that I, I could stay on and camp on for a very long time, just the reality of the Heavenly Father. But today, we're going to talk about the heavenly man, the heavenly man. And we're going to move into a a reality that's going to shift you out of this earth's reality. And we're going to talk about some things today that I think you're going to find a lot that are a lot of fun and really enjoyable, especially in the context of being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, which is a farce. It's an idiotic statement. Now it's not if you're weird religious and you don't really understand the heavenly father and the heavenly man. And so to help you understand the heavenly man, we're gonna look at a scripture that I've never personally taught on and haven't heard somebody teach on it. It doesn't mean I'm, that other people haven't, but personally I have not. So let's look at the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42. And now the context of these scriptures is in the context of uh, Paul responding to a question from the Corinthian church, what will our body look like after the resurrection? Now, I know you all want to know that question. Everybody wants to know how handsome, how beautiful, how thin, how young they're going to look after the resurrection, right? And so Paul is speaking to this and he's, he's trying to explain it. And there's a whole lot of dialogue prior to this scripture, but we're going to pick up right here at verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body, so this body, your physical body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first. As much as many people would really like to flip this scripture and make the spiritual first, that's not the case. But the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was the earth, was of the earth made of dust. The second man, capital M, is the Lord from heaven. One came from the earth, one came from above, the heavenlies. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. An entire race, an entire population that covers the earth is like this guy. We were all once like him. We were from the dust and we were of the dust, made of dust, and is, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And that's what the premise of this series is really about. It's the understanding of a heavenly reality. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, which we all did prior to you being born again, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So we all come into a new image and a new understanding after we give our lives to Christ and become born again. Now, some of you may not understand what it means to be born again, and I'll keep it simple for you. Think new life. Think reset. Think start over. Think failures wiped away in your past. Think forgiveness. It's an it's a earthly saying teaching to be born with a heavenly reality again. Even Nicodemus didn't understand it. And we'll talk about what Jesus said in response to that to Nicodemus in John chapter three. And so to be born again means that you start over. It means that you start the way you should have always started. It's the original intent from the father's heart, but we were all natural and then became spiritual. It's the spiritual after the natural. Okay. It's not a cult. It's not a weird it's not a club. It's not a weird religious saying. It's not some funny thing that's made that people make up make fun of in Hallmark movies or Van Halen sings about. It's not a weird thing. It's the truth is that you couldn't do it in your own. And if you don't give your life to Christ, you're gonna combust and die, and you need to start over and you need a reset. And every single one of us. It doesn't matter how good you think you were or are, everyone's righteousness is this filthy rags. And you can't do it in your own strength. When will we finally realize that? The older you get, the more you will realize The key is for you to learn it young. And that's the beauty of what God's doing. He's raising up a whole generation of teenagers and young adults that are on fire that are figuring it out at 18, 19, 20, 13, 14, 15. So this section of scripture that I just read to you is talking about a natural man, which is anybody pre-Christ versus a man to come. It's also talking about earth now and the resurrection of an eternity to come. So there's this comparison, now versus then. It's the process of transformation from here to there. It's the this to the that. That's what it is, all right? It's the body now versus the resurrection of the body to come. And there's this comparison. There's a comparison of a natural man and a spiritual man. Let's talk about the natural man for a moment. The word natural in the Greek and the Hebrew has the same connotation. It connotates a bestial or animal nature. It's the sensuous nature with its subjection to appetite and passion. The sensual nature that's in subjection to appetite and passion. It's led and ruled by flesh. It's a bestial animal nature. Or another term that the Bible uses a lot is the term carnal. It's where you get the word carnivore, a meat-eating animal, right? One of my favorite songs in the 80s was from Def Leppard. It was called Animal. Sorry if I'm ruining it for y'all. Don't look at the lyrics. I can't listen to it anymore. Sorry. It's not who I am. I don't care how good the song is like got to change it every time. So the natural man is a man of dust. It's, now, notice the things that I read to you. The Apostle Paul says it's corrupted, it has dishonor, it's weak, and it's a living being. It's just existing. And that's the way so many of you may be, or some of you that are watching online. God does not call you to just exist you are not a living being anymore when you come to the Lord. Yes, in a a natural sense, but God shifts you to a heavenly reality. He's a heavenly man, but you're going to see something very powerful, and it's hidden. He's talking about the resurrection, but there's this really powerful word here, and let's go back to verse 48. As was the man of dust, so also are those that are made of dust. Now, And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. When? Now. We are called to be heavenly now. Which means something external outside of you, from above you, must come on you and get in you. And with that comes a whole shift in your mind. The way you see, the way you think, your marriage, the way you love, your kids, your job, your business, your ability to do the things that you're called to do, that ability comes from him anyway. It's God that wills and works within you to give you the ability to become who you're called to become. I can't make myself become something and neither can you. So the natural person is a living being. They're natural. It's corrupt, dishonored, it's sown. So... I don't care how much everyone's righteousness is filthy rags. Yes, God changed my heart, and yes, I'm in process, but I'll never be perfect until that which is perfect comes. The one thing God calls you to be perfect in now is in how you love. Perfect love. So every standard is measured in the context of perfect love. How I act, how I treat my wife, and I'm constantly like, man, I fell short, I fell short, I fell short. But all have fallen short. The key is to fall short less and less and less and less. And the only way you're gonna fall, fall short less is with the heavenly understanding and becoming like the heavenly man. By the way, he's still, a, he's a glorified man now. He came fully as man, fully as God, and he ascended in, in the very last chapter of Luke. You have to understand that they stood there on the Mount of Olives, he raised out his hand. He blessed them. You read the last part of Luke chapter 24. He blessed them one last time. He said, put your hands out. I'm going to bless you. He raised his hands. He blessed them. And then as they watched, he ascended as a man, but a glorified man, spotless and sinless. He went up. The clouds parted. He went up. He will come back as a man. He's a heavenly Man, oh man, I got chills just talking about this to you. you. This is, you have, we are going in a direction now where if we do not get a heavenly perspective and become heavenly people under the love and care of our heavenly Father, James one seventeen. every good and perfect gift comes from where? From who? The that's right, the Father of lights coming down upon you. This is, this is the beauty of this. Yes, he's in you, but he's also external above you. He puts his spirit in you, which makes you to live and know him. Uh, oh, man, the world can't see him and know him. Why? Or they, they don't believe in him because they can't see him, but you know him because he's in you, the Bible says. So I know what the world doesn't know. I have a heavenly, you should have a heavenly reality that unbelievers don't have. And if you're an unbeliever, I want you to taste this perfect gift. You got to stop living less than. God doesn't want you to just be a nice Christian. He wants you to live in another dimension. And where we're going is to shift you out of this dimension. What you're doing is bringing that dimension to this dimension, Some of y'all are so stuck in this dimension. He's a heavenly father, and he is a heavenly man, and he makes you heavenly. So it goes from the natural to the spiritual, the spiritual second. You once were carnal and bestial. Now, I'm not, there's kids in here, so I don't wanna, I'm not going to talk about bestiality and what's going on in the world around us, but let me just tell you it's bad. And you can't just turn a blind eye to it. We have to change it and effectively bring life to those dark places. The darkest of the dark places, we have to bring light to. So the now is the natural. That's what Adam, he was a living being. But the then is the spiritual, the man of heaven. Full in corruption, glory, power, spiritual. And when we resurrect, we will have no corruption, be in full glory, will have full power and will be fully spiritual. Jesus was a life-giving spirit. Adam was a living being. Jesus is a life-giving spirit. You were once an existing living being, and now you become not fully because there's a resurrection and more to come, but even now you can live heavenly and be a life-giving spirit. All of you are called to ministry now. Stop looking at carnal and sec- or a secular and church and that's not the way that it works. You're called into full time ministry everywhere you go. Because what is full time ministry? Ministry is transference of life. Right. So Jesus is a life giving spirit. So the heavenly man, I thought about this. Jesus was fully man and fully God. We are fully man and full of God. <laughs> because I am not fully God, but I got fully God in me, right? So because you are full of him, you have this ability to be like him and to do what he does. That's a heavenly reality. So heavenly, I taught you a little bit about this last week, and I would really encourage you to go back. This series is going to build. It's going somewhere. I've got my message titles and some insight, but we'll see where God leads it. But remember, heavenly means to be like heaven. It's a place of perfection, a place of existence. It's a it's a place. It's a place of origin. It's a place where there's no tears, no pain, no sorrow, no shame, no darkness. It's perfect love. It's a place of perfection. And if you think about heavenly, you need to think about adaptation. When we talk about heavenly, think about adapting. What does adapting or adaptation mean? Adaptation means a change or the process of change by which a person becomes better suited to its environment. I'm gonna say that again, make sure you get this. You have to adapt. You have to get better suited to the environment that's around you. The world is getting darker. You're in it, but not of it. Yes. So, I mean, I, I love the this, this, this statement and the clothing line and bumper stickers of not of this world. I've had them all. But not, it's not just a nice saying. It's something you have to own and live. Yes. Yes. You are not of this world. How, how? What is your new nature? Your new nature is an adapt. You've now adapted to a heavenly nature yes. from the heavenly man, from a heavenly father, who's above coming down upon you into this faith. The whole Lord's prayer is the reality of going to the courts of heaven where God sits and bringing his power and truth and reality here through mercy, forgiveness, deliverance, repentance, worship, the whole Lord's prayer or the model prayer is the pattern of heaven on earth. When Jesus taught us to pray, he literally taught us the whole insight and understanding You've got to repent for yourself. You've got to come into repentance for others. You have to declare the prophetic promises of God, bring his will, our Father who art in heaven. I worship, you are incredible, amazing. No matter what my style and preference is, I'm worshiping you. Come and invade this space in a world that's natural, full of incorruption. And if there's any of those, still, even in talking about the resurrection from the dead, Paul said, we're sown in corruption. We're sown in dishonor. And I know some of you, is like, so, you don't want to admit that. But the truth is, is, we still have a weakness that causes a desperation and a vulnerability to God. I know some people think they're completely perfect, and that is a weird religious spirit. I'm perfect the way God sees me, but I'm in the process of sanctification. This is sanctification. Your whole life is a process of sanctification, So there's still, it's like, man, I'm groaning. I'm, in some ways, I'm so ready to stop fighting this battle with this tent. Aren't you? (laughs) And I'm longing to be with him where perfection fully lies, where perfect love fully lies, where there's no more pedophiles and children being abused and crying and human trafficking and All the stuff, so it's sown in corruption, but it's sown in corruption, but raised in incorruption. Do you see this? But there's a component now where God puts his spirit, and when you come to the heavenly man, that you become like him. There's no reason for you to not want this. No reason. But you got to own the fact that says, man, I'm falling short, so I need the heavenly man to make me heavenly. And, it, and we're gonna get to the kingdom of heaven in this series, an understanding about the kingdom of heaven. So you gotta think adaptation, it's a process. That's why I'm so patient with so many of you, and you should be patient with each other. And the minute that you point a finger, you have three pointing right back at you. Amen. So gossip is destructive and it's stupid. Stop. You got issues? So do I. You wanna go to town on issues on Facebook and tear the church apart? I could probably pick you apart with your issues because I got prophetic insight. The more I see, the more I know. The problem is if I don't have perfect love, that gift will kill you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Come on. Yes. Yeah. That's why restraint is one of the best gifts. Yes. Hev- the heavenly father restrains you. He puts a bit in your mouth. Yes. Yes. True for you. So I want to be a wild Mustang. No, you don't because he will break you and it, you will get broken. <laughs> you should say, put a bit in my mouth, God. Put a bit in my mouth, Lord. So adaptation is to make something, su- you, you gotta catch this, make something suitable for a new use or purpose. It's to modify. You need to be Modified not behavior modified. You need the Holy Spirit to come inside you and change you. Religion behavior modifies you. Jesus changes you from the inside out and makes you, this is the thing, the the power of heavenly is it's above you. The power of heavenly is you can't get it on earth. We're gonna talk in this series about heavenly wisdom, self-help books. There's things that come from heaven you will never get on earth, ever. You are not even of this earth. In fact, you become a heavenly people just passing through. So look at it all out there. You're just passing through. It's all going to burn in the end. Even the disciples said, Jesus, man, look at this awesome temple and all these great buildings in Jerusalem. It's like, pfft, in three days, it's going to get tore down. It's, it's, it's all going to burn in the end. You're pilgrims and sojourners. Why are we making this earth such a home? you got a home in heaven. In the Father's house, there's many rooms, one big giant house and a place for you that Jesus has prepared. Come up here and get some of the treasures from the rooms and bring them down here. I'm, we are going to a place in this series because I, I realize God has so much more and I can't even tell you that I fully know or even understand all that I'm telling you. In fact, I probably don't, but I'm going to take a stab at it. Because I know I'm seeing something here. So one of the things for us to learn it together. So adaptation means now I'm being made suitable for a new use and a new purpose. I'm being adjusted to new conditions. Don't you want an upgrade? Don't you want some new conditions? Don't you want to live and see and love differently? Don't you want access to the promises of God and to see in a way that you've never seen before? Is it possible that there's more that you have never seen or known and you're living in the less than? So it's the natural versus the spiritual. It's new realities. It's new realities that come to those that are heavenly. The first heavenly man was Jesus. And when we surrender our life to him, we ultimately become like him. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. 1 John four seventeen. Love has been perfected among us this way. Here's how you know you're walking in perfect love now, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. So boldness when there's judgment trying to come against me and boldness when I'm bringing judgment to the world around me. And you say, nobody's supposed to judge. No, nobody's supposed to judge inaccurately. Nobody's supposed to judge outside of his heart and his perfect love. Nobody's supposed to judge that's not spiritual. It's spiritual comparing to spiritual and it's judging with perfect love because that's how he judges you. Otherwise you would be dead. Or for you, this would be a bad situation. Thank God for his mercy. It's judgment with mercy. It's judgments with kind, kindness. In fact, mercy triumphs over judgment. So imagine mercy partnered with judgment. Yes. And so what does boldness in the day of judgment means? It means that I have an advocate. I have a heavenly man. I have somebody that's on my side. Oh, but you fell short. Okay, but I have mercy and forgiveness in the blood of Jesus and the cross he's the one that made me perfect. I've Yeah, okay, you're right, you win. It's not about who wins anymore. It's not about picking each other apart. Right. It's about walking in mercy and grace and having boldness of perfect love. Here, notice how the scripture starts. Love, perfect love is demonstrated this way. Boldness, what kind of boldness? Not to pick you pick you apart and tear you apart but to love you perfectly and to accurately point out things in your life that help you. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday very intellectual guy hurt, wounded from his upbringing struggles, challenges from his childhood issues with church doesn't want to go to church problems with organized religion and I was and saying many things about the church that I could have personally taken offense to cuz I really love my church and I understand the local church despite its flaws and its imperfections right. and then I was like man let me tell you something you got unresolved issues and <laughs> it was it was on <laughs> it was on unresolved issues buried alive never die listen to me unresolved <laughs> issues buried alive never die They just become landmines for your future. And I've blown up some landmines in some people's lives and it didn't go good. That's why you gotta be spirit-led and heavenly in the way that you love people. So love's perfected that you may have boldness in the day of judgment, but the greatest way that you can have boldness is to be heavenly as he is. I want you to notice It's not as you are, so he is. It's not him fitting into my life. It's me fitting into his life, right? As he is, so we are. Is he heavenly? Yes or no? Are you called to be heavenly? Which means that your realities and your perspectives and the way that you love and the way that you see and the way that you uh, care and the way that you even judge and the way that you you have perspective. It's, it's a paradigm shift. You know what a paradigm shift is? Imagine flying on a 12-hour flight home from Europe and next to you is a dad with a little child and the child bawling and weep, crying, screaming the whole 12-hour flight. You'd, it'd, be, it'd make you nuts. And the person next to you in the other seat reaches over and tells the dad, you got to shut your kid up. Shut that child up. I can't take it anymore. And he goes, I'm so sorry. His mom just died while we were on vacation. That's a paradigm shift. You, you, you think you know and you understand, but the truth is, is most of us don't. Why don't we just admit that you don't and say, I need a heavenly perspective? I am happy. By the way, smile. I get, I get so intense. I listen to myself sometimes, like, man, you sounded so intense. I get so, man, I get so intense. But it's all right. Let's smile. Take a deep breath. I know that was an intense way to explain a paradigm shift, but it's this. Un- <coughs> Why do we keep trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes? As he is, so we are. Where? Let's pull the scripture back up. As he is, so we are. Where? So, you—if he's a heavenly man, you have a choice to be natural or heavenly, bestial or spiritual. Come on. Nothing of this world can make you heavenly. The only the heavenly man can make you heavenly. Where, so, when I thought about this scripture, I've thought about this so many times. This should pose some a lot of questions to you as he is. So how is he? Where he exists is where we exist together with him in heavenly places. There's a whole message coming in this series titled Heavenly Places. And that's going to lead us to the courts of heaven and the understanding that God sits at a throne at a court where judgments are ruled and his, he's a better judge than any judge on earth. We need judges filled with heavenly, the heavenly father's heartbeat so they can judge accurately. Because that's it. when there's no heavenly father justice, there's no just real justice on earth. Right. So the heavenly man was fully man, yet fully God. We are fully man and full of God. Hence, we become heavenly like he is. The heavenly man makes he- man heavenly. So how is he? And how he is, that's how we want to be. So I'll give you a few things. 1 first, first Timothy 2.5 five. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man. Look at this. The man. He's the man. He is the man. Jesus, you are the man. I am not the man, but I got the man on the inside. So what's he doing? He's mediating. He's he's a constant mediator which means when you think about fighting with your spouse or fighting with a friend, you just are at a crossroads. You need somebody to mediate. That's what counselors do. He's the ultimate counselor. He's mediating on your behalf. So he's constantly mediate. It's a legal term. Every injustice, he brings justice to. This is legal. And there's injustices coming against me and there's injustices that I do at times so I have a mediator, so do you. So where you fall short and are imperfect, he makes you perfect. Jesus, the intercessor, Romans 8, 34, who's he who condemns? It's Christ who died, and furthermore, he's also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for you. So he's constantly praying, standing in the gap on your behalf. So he's there, making intercession, constantly speaking your name and fighting for you based on the blood that he shed on the cross, which said it was finished. So now who is it that condemns? If you try to condemn me, you're messing with my intercessor and my mediator. Oh, don't mess with my intercessor because you don't want to mess with the one who's praying on my behalf. Constantly. There. Yeah. Whew. And you think you're alone? How many of us live lonely and isolated and we think you're, we're alone? And it's like, man, I need intercessors. Yeah, we, I like intercessors on earth, but I got an intercessor in heaven. And it doesn't mean I don't need ancestors on earth, but I'm never alone. I got somebody mediating, yes. fighting, praying, legally standing for me, because legally I'm a son now. When you become a son, you become like the heavenly man. And now it's not about my imperfections and my shortcomings, but it does require something of me to become more like him. But I can't do that in my own strength. Without heavenly perspectives and the heavenly father and the heavenly man and the heavenly gifts and understanding what it means to be seated in heavenly places, you can't do this. Hebrews 7 25, therefore he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. So you have to come to God through who? There is no other way. Muhammad, you'll never get there. Buddha, you'll never get there. No other gods, no idols. The reality is there's only one way. It it doesn't matter whether you like it or not, and you should love it because he's awesome. He's so awesome. You, if you don't know that he's awesome, you have a warped perspective of the greatness and the goodness of God. He's an awesome, loving, amazing, on-fire, caring, perfect God. And he's not my pet. He's my king. So he's able to save you. Why? Because he's al- he always lives to... Pr- and he's praying for you. Here's the thing. How many of you say, man, I'm praying for you? Half the time, like... You ain't praying for me. <laughs> okay, maybe yours. I sorry, that's my own issue. Forgive me. I repent, Father. Maybe you are. Maybe seventy-five percent, eighty percent. I don't know. I just knew a girl once. She's like, every time I said I'm praying for, I'm like, I haven't seen you in three years. You every every day been praying for me. That's weird. Uh. Sorry. I just my past issues. All right, my past issues there. We have to bear his image. Dust. Listen, dust to dust without him, dust to heavenly with him. Dust to dust with him. I'm sorry. Dust to dust without him, Adam. Dust to heavenly with him, Jesus. Stay like the dust or become heavenly. That's your two. I'm going to give you two options today. God gives you two options. Choose life or death. Dust, heavenly. Natural, Spiritual. Heavenly people have heavenly access to, to heavenly places, heavenly realities, heavenly understandings, heavenly visions, heavenly wisdom, heavenly insight, heavenly callings, heavenly visions, and heavenly things. John 3.11, I don't have time to quote it because I'm running out of time and I want to share this last thing. I'll share it next, next service. John 3.11-13, through 13, Nicodemus doesn't understand. Jesus makes this profound statement. He says, we testify of the things we have seen. He uses we, 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 us. We, 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 us. Who's he talking about? There's three that bear witness in heaven and three that bear witness on earth. So so there's the Trinity. So Jesus is like, you don't know. He's like, you are so earthbound. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. It's, man, I got chills. It's electric just talking about this. If I can shift you to the we, we, we and the us, you're gonna live, love, act, everything changes and then you'll have boldness. Why? Not because of your perfection. The minute you think you can have anything because you were so righteous, I'll take you back to Deuteronomy 9. The Lord says, I'm taking you across the river Jordan to the promised land, and I'm going to give you giant cities with walls of the sky. And by the way, it ain't nothing because of how good you are. I paraphrase it. You ain't all that in a bag of chips. It's only because <laughs> of me and my love. It's only because I love you. Go read it, Deuteronomy 9. He says it three times. like, oh, by the way, let me remind you, it's not because of how good you were or your righteousness. Because then it's like, man, and then we get into comparison. I'm a high and mighty man of God. No, I'm fighting the same fight you're fighting. Let's just all start fighting right instead of fighting each other. Fight against the devil, and let's set the captives free because our enemy's not flesh and blood. So Jesus says, if you don't understand earthly things that I'm explaining to you, how are you going to understand heavenly things? There's heavenly things. There's heavenly things versus earthly things. Earthly things point to heavenly things. However, only the heavenly man gives you full access to the vast expanse of heavenly realities. God does want us heavenly minded in order to do earthly good. Oliver Wendell Holmes was quoted to this saying, some people are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. All right? Johnny Cash in 1977. I know y'all are Johnny. I like Johnny Cash too. Calm down. He sang a song titled, No Earthly Good. It says, you're shining your light as you should, but you're no earthly good. Let me read this to you in closing. The accusation that some Christians are too heavenly focused and therefore not paying enough attention to earthly matters is based on a false premise namely that the love of God makes one less capable or less concerned with the practical affairs of the world. That's the mindset. You're so heavenly minded, you're just less capable of dealing with practicals or you're so, your head's always in the clouds, you're no earthly good. Being heavenly minded does not result in isolating yourself from the world, ignoring contemporary issues of the day or declining to be involved. In fact, it's just the opposite. Being heavenly-minded results in attempting or consistently surrendering and pleasing the Lord with true religious piety, who has given us work to do in this world. Committed heavenly-minded Christians have always tackled the social, environmental, and political problems of the day. Some of the most impactful people in history have been Christians whose faith moved them to actions. Listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. The most impact comes by those who are understanding eternity and the reality of what's in front of us. The Bible insists that Christians be focused on heavenly things. 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You got to start looking at what's not seen. It's a heavenly perspective that invades your earthly reality. And we're the ones that have to adapt. So he adapts you. Not to just fit in, but to change that's the whole thermometer versus a thermostat (laughs) be the thermostat stop letting the wind of the world and the spirit of the age and the temperature of people around you affect you you're the one that's called to affect change and I'm nice as can be of people but when people bow up and start to come at me about the realities of heaven and then question me and want to take me to task it's on like donkey kong And I'll be humble and prefer, and sometimes I'll let people walk all over me because I can be right and not righteous. I don't have to defend. God can defend himself. If God's not defending himself through me, then I have to stop trying to defend Him my own way. So when our eyes are fixed on the heavenly man, we gain eternal perspectives. And we are of great earthly good. As our faith and focus on heavenly realities impacts our lives and the lives of others, We must get our eyes on the heavenly man, which starts first by total surrender, then leads you away from the natural into the spiritual life. One man was a living being. The other one was a life-giving spirit. And it's time for us to be life-giving spirits. And I know we're working through stuff. God's working stuff out of you. He's cutting root systems out of you stuff, God's revealing things to you to heal you. He's not gonna let you stay the same. He doesn't want those things inside of you. He comes to break the generational components and the iniquity of your fathers that create strongholds in your lives today that you have to wrestle with. Many times there's been battles that I battled and God's shown me this is the same thing that your dad did. So I've come to make you not like him, but to make you like me. That's a heavenly reality. Heavenly gifts coming down from above. This Holy Spirit gives the gift of miracles. A miracle is a heavenly thing because it's a miracle. It's not of this world. There's so many heavenly realities that we're gonna dive into. That's gonna blow your mind. Translated, transported, heavenly lights, good gifts, seeing in the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, having access to things that you don't understand, which cause you to live differently. I told you last week about my friend, 25 years married, several kids, having affairs the entire time, divorced at 20, after 25 years. I was angry and I was mad at, in my heart and, and, I, and I was like upset. And then I had a vision. A vision is a heavenly reality. Prophecy is a heavenly reality. Dreams are heavenly realities. And God showed me him as in an orphanage when he was 10, and I didn't had no idea. And then I said to him, I said, "Hey, were you tell me about your childhood." He goes, "Oh, I was orphaned. I was in, raised in foster care." And I started weeping and crying. and now the way that I once saw I had a paradigm shift, the way that I once saw him, I saw him differently. Right. I remember oh, man. I remember when I looked at my friend sitting in the back and I saw him at like 30 years old. I had a word for him. And when I looked at him, I saw he looked differently to me. And God was showing me a heavenly reality of something that he was doing in his life at that age. That's heavenly perspectives, when I had my encounter for seven hours, God showed me myself in third person of the way I was acting and treating people around me. And then he began to deal with things in my heart that I would only, I could not see outside of a heavenly reality. And if we don't see the heavenly man and our eyes aren't on him, Jesus, and we don't come to God through him, you'll never get perfect love and you'll never be like him. You've got to stop doing it on your own. There's no agnosticism anymore. You don't have to not know. You can know because he wants to be in you. You don't have to be an atheist anymore. You don't have to live like an orphan anymore. You don't have to be angry at the church anymore. You don't have to be isolated anymore. You don't have to be alone anymore. He, and we get to do it together, no matter how messed up we all are. He puts a bunch of broken people together to teach us what perfect love looks like, doesn't he? So let's all stand.